What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Creature Feature, production of iHeartRadio. I'm your host of Mini Parasites, Katie Golden. I studied psychology and evolutionary biology, and I am recording this podcast from my living room. Will my dog make a guest appearance today? I've got to tell you, her podcasting skills are rough. As we are all adapting to a new way of life right now, in the name of public health, I want to look at some incredible animal adaptations to draw inspiration from. We'll discover some incredible immunities from critters we think of as dirty or dangerous, some animals who are hardcore to the bone, and some insects who are getting pretty creative with this whole adaptation thing. Discover this and more as we answer the age-old question, are birds real? Now, I know it's tough, uncertain times for a lot of us right now due to coronavirus. California and New York just issued orders for people to shelter at home and shut down non-essential businesses or are having people work from home. This may seem extreme and scary, but getting that social distance is one of the best ways we can adapt right now to slow the spread of the virus. Human beings have a great advantage when it comes to being adaptable. We can, at will, change our societal habits to help protect us from new dangers, such as a virus. So while it may be jarring to have to adapt to this new, more isolated way of life, think of it as a temporary society-level adaptation. Not everyone can stay at home, such as people who work in grocery stores, pharmacies, and of course our nurses and doctors, who are all risking their health to keep society functioning and save lives. But if you're able to stay home, it's incredibly important that you do so, even in areas where it hasn't been ordered. It may seem like a trivial thing, but by staying home when you can, you could literally save thousands of lives. I may seem like I'm exaggerating, but mathematically and scientifically, it is absolutely the truth. 
Human contact is an exponential chain. If you contact one person and that person contacts two people and those two people each contact two other people, etc., you've indirectly contacted thousands and thousands of people. In terms of viral transmission, this means by breaking the chain even at one point, at one person, by staying home and away from groups of people, you've potentially saved thousands of lives. In a way, this is a bit awe-inspiring. Right now, we have the power to be superheroes, to save someone's dad or grandma or sister or your own friends and families. I know how weird it is to alter our habits so drastically, but adaptation can be strange. So today I want to talk about some very peculiar animal adaptations to help inspire our own social isolation adaptation. Joining me today on a trip to Adaptation Station is writer and co-host of the Night Call podcast, Emily Yoshida. Thank you so much for having me, Katie. Yeah, thank you for joining me. So we are talking uh, sort of living room to living room on the internet, a new experience for all. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I'm really glad you're here to join me. I have some really, these are some of my favorite animal adaptations. Of course, I say that every episode <laughs> that these are my favorite animals, but it's always true. First, I want to, before we begin, I want to encourage people to rate, review, download, and subscribe to the podcast. It's actually super helpful to get us up in that algorithm And that's how we get sponsors, and that's how I get money. So I can buy a bunch of yarn, so I can knit a bunch of stuff while I'm stuck at home. Uh, I'm actually going to start, I think, crocheting a rug. Because, you know, that's what you do, right? You've got to find a project. I think any project that doesn't involve a screen is super important right now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What are you... Do you have any things that you're doing at home to kind of stay occupied? Well, I... um, made the mistake of trying to move in the middle of all of this so Mm. um which also involves getting a lot of furniture because I mostly got rid of all my furniture after the last place that I moved from so I um I did happen to find a really cute um little art deco credenza but uh for cheap but it was cheap because it needs to be refinished so I'm gonna start my first refinishing project (laughs) Now, for those of us, speaking hypothetically, those of us who are uncivilized and don't actually know what a credenza is, <laughs> what, what is that? A credenza <laughs> is basically, um, it's like an entertainment center. It's a, a, a scaled down. It's just a kind of low, long um, shelf, usually with drawers or like a record cabinet if it's from the era of records. Um, yeah, where you can just kind of put your inner, you can put your various consoles and whatever on top or inside of it. And uh, yeah, I see. So those hypothetical people who didn't know what a credenza is, <laughs> now they know. You learn something well, that, new every day. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's I think that's a that's a great project to have those kind of I mean, first of all, it gives you something to spend your time doing. And also, it's uh, improving your home, which you're going to be at yeah, a lot yeah. right now. Yeah, anything to improve the home is is really <laughs> paramount right now because yep. uh, you notice every little thing that's wrong with it. <laughs> exactly. Really I'm like, have I vacuumed this carpet enough? Yep. I know I vacuumed it this morning, but should I vacuum it now? <laughs> oh, boy. I don't even have a vacuum yet. So that's... Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, we got to cross that bridge when we get there. Just use a pair of tweezers and tweeze up oh, individual yeah. floor particles. I mean, you got time, I right? Mean, yeah, no, it's uh, it's thorough. So yeah, yeah. And by the time you're done with with uh, going across the entire floor, the other end of it probably needs to uh, be uh, tweezed again. So yeah, exactly. 
Well, speaking of vacuums, I want to talk about nature's little vacuum, the opossum. So, you know, you've, you've seen an opossum before. You know these little, these little trash buddies. They are the only marsupial found in North America. What is your attitude towards opossums? You know, I had a really um, scarring experience with a possum when I was um, when I was young, and it wasn't that it was like it wasn't that I got attacked by one or anything. It was just that I saw one at my school bus stop when I was, I think I must have been in third grade or something, and um, it was out for some reason in daytime, and I I think it couldn't see, but it was just acting like it was drunk. So it was Mm. like stumbling down the street and I'd never, you know, I was like pretty young. I'd never seen an animal act that way before. And it was really upsetting. It felt like a kind of like a zombie um, possum wandering down the street. And I got really freaked out and I ran up to the house that the driveway that I was waiting in just to like wait till it passed by. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's a that's a fairly uh, rational reaction to an animal that's stumbling around when it's drunk. Yeah. Or like it's drunk because that is actually one of the signs of rabies but as we'll talk about actually opossums are they're not immune to rabies but they are one of the animals that are less likely to have rabies hmm. so i think that because they look a little off-putting they ha- they have very teethy faces they kind of look a little bit like big weird rats yeah. that they feel like they should be teeming with disease but they're actually not that bad and in fact they in some ways actually save us from some diseases. So just a few opossum facts here. They are, like I said, the only marsupial found in North America. As marsupials, they have pouches, and when they give birth to their litter, which is about seven babies, uh, they look like little tiny weird jelly beans (laughs) that crawl up into their pouch and attach to one of their mother's 13 teats that are inside this pouch. So think about it's like a kangaroo, Mm -hmm. but there's about seven of them and they each get in that pouch and attach to one of one of those nice, nice mom, mom teats. And uh, when they get too big for the pouch, they will ride on her back. I find that adorable. Some people might not so much. (laughs) I'm hoping to convert people to be opossum lovers. They seem scary to a lot of people and I understand it. They've got a little bit of a stink face. I, I, I see it. But they're actually pretty cool and one of the less dangerous wild animals. So they aren't very aggressive. Uh, Obviously, here's the caveat, never try to pick up a wild opossum, never try to handle it. That's not going to be good. It will probably bite you if you like try to grab it, but they don't, they're they're typically pretty scared of people. Well, they're not scared of people. They're kind of chill around people. They've gotten used to humans, but they don't. They, they're not aggressive. They don't really want to tangle with you. When they feel threatened or cornered, they will hiss, bare their teeth. But mostly, like, if they really feel threatened, they'll do the whole play dead thing. So, yeah, they're, they're, pretty, they're pretty chill. They just don't, like, if you scare them, they will try to protect themselves. Right. And, yeah, that playing dead thing, I think that also kind of gives them a spooky reputation. Yeah. Because uh, there's nothing more upsetting than seeing what you think is roadkill suddenly, yeah. like, <laughs> jolt up (laughs) yeah i mean it's not that i don't think they're cute i do think that they're rather cute it's just that there's something sort of uncanny about opossums that uh yeah i I guess that does account for it somewhat yeah it's an unusual animal i mean i definitely had a scare from an opossum when i was a kid we had one in the backyard and 
it looked dead. Of course, we knew that opossums play opossum and pretend to be dead, but I guess we just didn't realize the extent to it. We thought it was just sort of like you would be able to see it breathing and it's on its back and it's kind of like got one eye peeking open to see if you're buying it, something like that. But this thing looked super dead. It smelled dead. It was rigid. Like I think my dad very gently moved it with a shovel to see if it was alive and it was stiff. It seemed like it had rigor mortis. And so my dad was like, well, you know, uh, we, we lived next to a canyon. So he very like gently and respectfully picked it up with shovel covered in like a a rag and like carried it over to the canyon because he was thinking like well you know at least then uh if we get if coyotes come to get it like it'll be in the canyon and not our backyard but as soon as he kind of he you know very gently kind of like put it because he he was you know he was kind of freaked out about it he wasn't like oh let's let's yeet this opossum over (laughs) here so he just was like all right sorry little guy and like put it in the canyon and we watched it kind of roll off this shovel onto the ground and it just gets on its feet and walks away. And it was the spookiest transition oh, weird. from like, yeah, it was, ugh, it was so, it was so spooky. Yeah. And usually it's not really their fault. They're not doing it intentionally. It's actually a fainting response. Hmm. So it's an automatic response and they can't wake up until after a little bit of time passes, just kind of like like fainting. So they're probably as freaked out by it as you are, (laughs) to be honest. Is there an actual difference between an opossum and an opossum? Yeah, yeah. Possums are related and they are also marsupials, but they're in Australia and opossums are basically found in North America. But is there anything different? different. Like, do they look different? They look different. They are different species. Yeah. Huh. I had no idea. I thought it was just interchangeable. Yeah. A lot of people find possums to be a little cuter. Their faces are a little less like long and rat-like. They're fluffy. Uh, they're, they're actually, I find them very adorable. I also like opossums or, or North yeah. American variety, but I think more people find the, the possums a little cuter because they're fluffy or they kind of oh, look yes. more like teddy bear-like. I'm looking it up right now. I looked up possum versus opossum and i found an image that says possum is an australian cutie and opossum is an american freaky (laughs) it's true okay i didn't realize this i and i don't even know that i was familiar with the the possum because this is a new looking creature to me i'd only seen an opossum so Mm -hmm. i think they're both cute personally but i I get it i i get why they're a little different so One other reason the opossum has a bit of a spooky reputation is that when they're scared, one of the things they do is this open mouth defensive hissing and drooling, which makes them look like they're rabid. But typically, this is just a defensive technique meant to freak you out. And they're actually not necessarily rabid. Obviously, I would never risk it personally. Uh, It's like, like, why, why risk it? You know, they're not, like I said, some people think that they're immune to rabies. They're not. They can still get it just at a lower rate uh, compared to other mammals. And this is speculated to be due to their lower body temperatures. They they run a little colder than most mammals do. Uh, in fact, when they're playing dead, they can lower their entire body temperature by an additional half a degree Celsius. Whoa. And they release anal gland odors their parasympathetic nervous system makes their respiration drop by a third and their heart rate drop by a half. So that's why they can pull off such a 
compelling death state. How did state. they learn how to do that? How do they know what it, what, what it means to smell dead? Like, like, well, you know, it's, it's not the individual opossum yeah, doing yeah. this. It's the, Evolution. their parasympathetic nervous system, which they really don't have any control over. Yeah. It just kind of happens automatically. And it's just over, over many, many thousands of years of evolution, <laughs> each of these traits seem to give them a little bit of a benefit in terms of deterring predators and making them think they're a stinky corpse. I have to say that I'm really glad that um, myself, but also like all humans don't have the same reaction <laughs> to being scared that our anal glands produce the smell of a corpse. Because I think that That's that would true. make going to a horror film a really unpleasant yeah. experience. <laughs> Some people do poop themselves, <laughs> it's though. True, yeah. You know, not Got not it. as common, though. <laughs> not as common, but no shame here. Yeah, no yeah. shame. This is a no shame Definitely. podcast. You can poop yourself a little bit a as little a treat. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think one of the lesser known things about opossums is some of their superpowers. So, opossums are actually immune to many snake venom varieties. So. Peptides in their blood grant them immunity to snake venom of several species, including some rattlesnakes and vipers. And it even works against snake venom from species outside of their natural habitat of North America, like India's Russell viper. And these peptides have been isolated by researchers and have been found to work to protect mice who have been injected with the opossum peptides. And researchers think that these opossum peptides could be used as a cheap universal anti-venom, especially in areas where snake bites are common. And I think that's really cool yeah. that, you know, I think a lot of people think of this as this little like stink beast that is scary and dirty, but like they may hold the key to helping us with snake bites. All right. Good for possums. <laughs> Good for possums. Yeah. Thank you, guys. They also help fight against Lyme disease. So like I was saying, these are nature's vacuums because they love to eat ticks. It's their favorite things. They eat ticks like popcorn. I don't know. What's your what's a what's a snack that sings to you? I mean, popcorn. <laughs> yeah, I love popcorn. Yeah. too. Well, they eat them like popcorn and uh, deer ticks love to give you Lyme disease, which is a very serious disease that can linger for years and years and years and cause a lot of nasty complications and is really a terrible thing. And, you know, when opossums eat up those deer ticks, that decreases the number of deer ticks out there and that helps control the spread of Lyme disease. In fact, opossums are able to kill 95% of the ticks that get on their fur and they'll also eat a bunch of ticks that they find on the ground. They just hoover them up. They love them so much. It makes me feel like possums, like if they're if they're eating all this stuff, they're they're this is what they they're like bottom feeders basically, which makes me feel like <laughs> they will survive the apocalypse more so than anybody else. <laughs> right? I mean, they're like they're like little nature's little Roombas. Yeah. It's it's pretty incredible. Also, it's like, like I, I now understand why it's kind of nasty to eat possums as like roadkill <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> like, this is... i've never i've never eaten a possum and i don't know what it tastes i've never heard it's done what people report i i figure it is done yeah. like do you know like what people describe the taste as is it like kind of ticky Ew. 
just imagine it being kind of mealy like yeah just ugh, yeah well I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm glad that they enjoy what they're eating uh, <laughs> i feel like it is a bit of the killing the golden goose though right like if they eat so many deer ticks yeah you can't can't eat deer ticks if if you're eating the animal that eats the deer ticks yeah that's true <laughs> They also eat cockroaches, rats, mice, dead animals, snails, and slugs. Basically, anything nasty, they're happy to eat. Are they considered uh, scavengers or? um, Yeah. Okay. They're omnivorous scavengers. They're pretty opportunistic. Mm -hmm. They will scavenge, they'll hunt, they'll eat fruit, and they'll eat all sorts of little critters. Yeah, they. They're little, they're they're little trash buddies. They they love it. They're they're like I said, nature's Roombas. <laughs> well, how do they compare to raccoons, who I feel like are like the cuter possums, like because they're also little trash buddies too. Do do, yeah. do raccoons eat all this nasty stuff also? Raccoons are also omnivores, and they do hunt as well as eat plants and and berries and. Uh, you know, insects. But I would say, actually, I'm a little like if you were to say, do you want to spend time with an opossum or a raccoon? I would pick the opossum. Mm. First of all, raccoons have, as far as I know, higher rates of rabies than opossums. And I think they're probably a little bit less chill than an opossum. They may seem a little less scary, but I, I think that opossums are slightly more more chill than raccoons like i feel like if i hung out with an opossum the worst thing that was going to happen to me is i had to smell in some stinky fake death anal gland odors from the opossum but yeah they're they're uh they're i think their diets are pretty similar now i don't think raccoons are as good as hoovering up those ticks though Yeah, they don't have that little nose that little needle nose to get in all those it's like an anteater or something yeah it's like it's like a little funnel for for deer ticks yeah (laughs) well i haven't seen any uh attempts on youtube to domesticate possums but maybe they're out there i just know that that's a whole genre of youtube that i've watched I'm, yeah, a lot of i'm sure there are opossum pets yeah I- i'm positive i wouldn't i wouldn't necessarily recommend it i'm not sure they would make the best pets but i'm sure it happens <laughs> so another animal that i think is kind of scary but actually could offer us some promise are sharks now, I love sharks, and I think that public attitudes on sharks are shifting slowly but steadily. More people like sharks. While they seem scary, I think there's a potential that in the future, sharks could save many more lives than they actually end up taking, which sharks, there are so many different species of sharks, and most of them are harmless, and the ones that are dangerous kill very few people. So it is, I think they get a bad reputation for you know not not the best reasons mm-hmm. i mean i mean yeah okay sometimes they'll they'll munch on a leg or two <laughs> i get it it's not always great but yeah they they have these really interesting properties and they actually are seem to be quite hardy and it's speculated that they may get disease at a lower rate including cancer I've got a, like a lot of things with research about animals, the truth of this may be complicated by the fact that it's hard to study them. So while there are fewer reports of disease in sharks, that could be that it's harder to locate sick sharks because 
like if they're unhealthy, they're less likely to say like approach a research vessel and get, you know, inspected by researchers. And their low rates of cancer could be because they have some resistance to it, but it could also be that they live in relatively carcinogen-free environments. So they're just less likely to get cancer because they're in this like open ocean where there aren't as many carcinogens mm. as other places. There is a myth, and I was surprised to learn this, that people thought that sharks are immune to all disease and can't get cancer, mm. which is not true. They can, in fact, get cancer. And while this seems kind of like a harmless myth, like, oh, man, that's that's cool. That's a fun reputation for the shark to have. It's actually really harmful for the sharks and for people. So the myth originates by this idea that their cartilage can stop cancer. And this has actually led to killing sharks for their cartilage for a treatment that doesn't work. So both the sharks who get killed and the people who have cancer who get duped into buying these pills are the victims here. And this myth is based on some real research, which is finding that cartilage has anti-angiogenic properties. So that means it inhibits the growth of new blood vessels. And so tumors actually grow by sending out growth hormones to encourage blood vessels to feed them. It's all very like sci-fi spooky, like mm -hmm. you have this tumor and it's like sending out messages to your body to get like uh, blood vessels to grow towards it yeah. and feed it. So if you have something that's anti-angiogenic, which just means it, it blocks the growth of blood vessels, that can help slow the growth of a tumor. And cartilage has that property. And so someone got it in their head that, oh, shark cartilage like must be great at this because we don't find that many sharks with tumors. And mm. if you take a pill with some ground up shark cartilage, it's going to help your cancer. But it doesn't. Mm. It has it actually. In fact, it's like we know demonstrably that these shark cartilage pills have absolutely no effect on tumors. And so it's a really frustrating thing where people, you know, kind of get like there's it's the misuse of research mm -hmm. and it's it's always frustrating to see that where it's like you have something that's like based in a little bit of science right you know first of all shark cartilage may be no different from other cartilage and second of all you can't just eat cartilage right you know that's not how <laughs> it's gonna help uh with with tumors yeah. so it's always it's always frustrating i think because i think it dilutes actual research right when you get these sort of half half developed things where it's like okay so it's like the whole stem cells thing have you there's that podcast on it have you listened to that one what's it called no. well, it's always funny when you do see like a beauty product or something it's like it's stem cell eye cream it's like what <laughs> so you rub just the spread... stem cells on your body yeah you just put them on your body that's how they work right i mean i'm looking at, oh oh it's called it's called bad batch and it's mm. I, I i highly recommend that as long as you're not squeamish about medical stuff. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a great investigative podcast into the world of how stem cells, which are actually a really promising field of research, yeah. are misused by some bad actors who are like, you know, you just like put stem cells in random places in your body and that helps you somehow. And it's like, no, you just hold not. the stem cells to your forehead. <laughs> Apply the stem cells directly to your forehead. Yeah. <laughs> Vape the stem yeah. cells. 
I'll vape some oh, you know, I saw cells. I saw our local vape shop was still open. Great to see that essential business still open in, these in the it, by the studio or. Um... Well, no, just just by my just by oh. my apartment because I'm uh this this is my studio now and my home well, and my everything. Well, weed is uh weed weed dispensaries are considered a necessary business to stay open during our lockdown. So you know. I mean that I actually humans are adapting. That I get though. Yeah. I mean weed, weed. I think is actually it's got like a medicinal yeah. purpose. Yeah. So that that I, that I'm okay with. I don't know. Maybe vapes do too. I don't want to be so harsh on the vapes. It's just funny to me. Yeah, yeah. Got a vape. So yeah, exactly. So despite the fact that shark cartilage doesn't seem like you can't just eat shark cartilage, please don't. It doesn't help. There is some real research about a promising gift that sharks could give medicine and it is an organic compound found in dogfish sharks that has broad antiviral properties again don't just rub a dogfish shark on your forehead that's not gonna work but let me let me talk about this compound so it's called squalamine so it hasn't yet yielded any medications that work on humans but researchers are studying how to use it to work as an antiviral in people and potentially even to treat certain cancers and eye disorders. So squalamine has been found in dogfish shark tissue and it can help fight viruses. It's been tested against viruses behind dengue fever and hepatitis. Again, it hasn't been used to treat humans yet. It's just been found like in isolation, like it can like kill these viruses and it disrupts a virus's life cycle, which makes it harder for the virus to propagate within live tissue. So I, I think that's that's pretty that's pretty cool as long as we don't get some some jerk who's like, oh, you got to grind up a dogfish and turn it into a soup. <laughs> well, how do you get it. the extract from it? Do you you have to kill it to get it? Or I well, I would assume. I would assume most of the time they are killing the sharks to get this compound. Yeah. That's why it's so frustrating when it's like, oh, just just be like some kind of weird qua- mermaid vampire and drink dogfish shark blood. <laughs> <laughs> While we're still working on those opossum and shark derived super serums, we owe a lot of thanks to many animals for their contribution to medicine. The Brazilian pit viper's venom was able to be used to synthesize captopril, an antihypertensive compound that helps reduce blood pressure and can reduce the risk of death after a heart attack. It can also help spare the kidneys in cases of diabetes. A hormone found in the Gila monster lizard's venomous saliva helped synthesize exinatide, a treatment for diabetes. There are many other things discovered about animal biology that has and will continue to be able to contribute to medical science. Just one reason it's so important to care about our ecology and the survival of species. Obviously, we should care just because animals are cool and rad and wonderful, but they can also save our butts, so let's save their butts too. Ask not what you can do just for your own butt, but for every other butt on the planet. Inspiring words. When we return, we'll talk about a couple of very cute little animals with a very spooky secret. 
Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbionica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbionica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O. TIKA.com. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com where America goes to hire. Welcome to today's installment of The League of Super Critters Who Care About Justice and Heroism. When danger calls, who's there to answer the phone? Is it a bird? Is it a plane? Or is it a semi-aquatic amphibian? It's that last thing. It's Dr. Newton. A newt who was blasted with radioactivity. You know, the good kind that turns you into a superhero, not the bad kind that destroys every cell in your body. Anyways, Dr. Newton patrols the city, or, well, you know, the pond, and uses his incredible superpowers to fight evil, such as Gills Finnegan, the dastardly fish who is evil. When the bad guy attacks Rib Kapow, Dr. Newton uses his rib cage ring to uh, stab the bad guy in the mouth with his rib bones. Pretty cool superhero. So, Emily, I am going to talk about the Spanish ribbed newt, which has one of the most unusual defensive tactics I've ever seen in any kind of animal. Uh, if you look at the document, you will see a picture of this little guy. Yeah. Really stunning, kind of uh, incredible Very adorable. Beauty. Um, <laughs> and derpy is the right word for him. Yes. He's yes, I captioned this as a very derpy looking animal. It's got those big, big eyes. It's got like a big wide mouth that's kind of permanently affixed and kind of a doofy it little smile. It just looks smile. like he's going, hmm. 
That is the sound. The, the, this picture is very much an sort of audible picture. Yeah. And it, it is that kind of like, I don't know, guys. <laughs> I don't know. Safety first. He's very cute. He's very wet looking and very cute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he is very cute. He, he looks very harmless and kind of dopey. But he's got rib spikes. Now, if you scroll down, you will see those rib spikes. And they're weird. <laughs> so... He can actually thrust his rib cage over to the side so and weird. poke his rib bones out of his skin. So when the Spanish rib newt feels threatened, it pushes its pointy rib bones out of its side and uses them to sting predators. So it swings the rib cage until it pierces through their skin. And at the same time, their skin actually produces a milky toxin. So when the rib cage pokes through the skin, it actually picks up the toxin that's on the surface of the skin. And when it jabs its predator, those rib bones work as toxic barbs to fend off the animal trying to eat it. And it can cause pain or even death to any predator unlucky enough to try to put this thing in its mouth. Wow. Um, this just reminds me of like, either the Maleficent movie or when Lady Gaga had like the bony cheekbones, the, that mm. kind of whole look. It's like that, yeah. but with your uh, ribs, which also just yeah. feels like a whole um, certain genre of terrible tumbler that used to exist. <laughs> <laughs> I do feel like this could be a Gaga dress, like a dress that like yeah. makes it look like you have these rib bones, like sort of, jutting out of your sides yeah. like spoilers or something I mean, it's very fashiony it's very like <laughs> like um like constructed sort of um yeah couture it's a very like severe kind of almost 80s look i feel like yeah yeah like like you ha just have spikes kind of coming out everywhere yeah. on your shoulder pads you got shoulder pads that can poke an eye out yeah, yeah it is kind of like that <laughs> I mean, work. <laughs> He's, uh, yeah, it's quite a look. I'm, I'm into it. It is. It, it's it's a statement, I would say. And the statement is, don't put me in your mouth. Yeah. So you'd think it would kind of suck to have to constantly pierce through your own flesh with your ribs. Um, kind of like uh, nah, it how it's to seems. me every day. It's fine. <laughs> But yeah, it's like with Wolverine where they're actually able to very quickly heal their skin. So you know, that always kind of weirded me out with like Wolverine yeah. where it's like he's just always like with his little hand claws, they just always are cutting through that little yeah, yeah. skin between your knuckles. It's creepy. But yeah, I mean, kind of kind of a ripoff of the Spanish rib newt, really. Yeah. Do you think it's actually inspired by that? I mean, does any other animal do this sort of quick healing thing i've never i've never heard yeah of that. yeah actually so a lot of amphibians are very good at healing their skin and in fact uh hairy frogs also do something similar we've actually talked about them on the show before on the superheroes episode hairy frogs will break their hand bones and push them through their skin like claws so very much like wolverine and they're also able to heal well it's actually not quite known how what how these guys work it's assumed that they're able to heal up quickly because like there have been specimens caught that seem to have healed but they've never actually been able to keep one in captivity and see what the process is so 
we aren't quite at the point where we can make a human hairy frog hybrid for a very like weird looking Hugh Hugh Jackman. Wow. You know? Yeah. Like a frog, a frogish Hugh Jackman. <laughs> I don't like that image at all. Well, it's not as cool like to fight with your ribs as like um, is to fight with your your hands or your claws or something. Like if you're just sort of swinging your torso around, it's not. I think that's a matter of perspective because if it's like if it's from like like aggressive twerking, I think that could be <laughs> actually a really cool way to fight someone. It's like look, but don't touch. Right, exactly. <laughs> sort of like just like a, a seductive dance, but you're you've got like rib spikes just like jutting out of your skin. Yeah, convenient. That's yeah, convenient. <laughs> exactly. That this is one word comes to mind with these newts that can jab their own rib bones out of their skin, and it is convenient. convenient. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but using your bones as a defensive weapon isn't unique to amphibians, which sounds like a really weird pickup line. <laughs> so I want to talk about potos. And they are primates who are in the same suborder as lemurs. And they live in tropical rainforests in Africa. And in English-speaking regions in Africa, it's actually known as the softly, softly due to its smooth, quiet gait through the trees. Same. And yeah, Emily is freaking out a little bit because they're so cute. It looks so soft. Oh my (laughs) gosh. It earned its name. Yes, the fur looks they so are. Soft. Yes, they are incredibly soft. They are closely related to slow lorises, and they actually look a little bit like them. Mm-hmm. They've got that really soft-looking, rusty tan fur. They've got big brown eyes that you could just drown mm-hmm. in. They're adorable. I'm, I am in love. Yeah. Of course, I, I'm always falling in love hopelessly <laughs> on this podcast, and here I go again. I am in love with the patu. So. Uh, They also have short, fluffy tails. They are very furry, and they have little nubby ears. Emily, how would would you, in your own words, describe this animal? Um, This animal looks like an emoji. Um, (laughs) It's got these little ears that are like, they, I don't know, it says that they're about 14 inches long, so it looks like the ears might be about the size of like a pinky finger. They're just like, if you can imagine, like putting up your little pinkies next to your head to yeah. make little, little pato ears. Um, in one of these pictures here, um, his tongue is sticking out. So he kind of looks yeah. like the, the, the tongue sticking out smiley uh, yeah. emoji. <laughs> I don't know. I think, you- I think like the onomatopoeia for this animal is just like, nim, nim. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, real sweet. Yeah. And like you... Like you said, they're about 14 inches or 35 centimeters long, excluding that little tail. And the tail's only about two to four inches or five to 10 centimeters. And they have stubby little fingers. And in fact, they don't really have an index finger. It is vestigial and it's only a tiny little nub. And they have what is known as a toilet claw on their hind legs that they use for personal grooming. And I'll leave it to the imagination what you think they use that for. Grooming. That's a very nice yeah. uh, euphemism there. <laughs> it's not just for potty stuff. It's, it's you know, for gr- like like a toilet grooming. Like toiletries. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they actually don't have too many predators just because of their nocturnal habits their quiet movement through trees, 
and their ability to do crypsis through very slow movement. And they just kind of quietly hang out in the trees and eat fruit and insects. But if they do come in contact with a predator, uh, they have a nifty defense tactic, which is that they have unusually long and sharp neck vertebrae that are really pointy. And it seems like they should almost pierce through the skin, but fortunately they don't. They are covered in thick fur and skin. So it's just this kind of like weird bumpy neck that's got these like spikes right under the skin. And you can see a skeleton of one of these guys if you scroll down and you can see their neck, how sharp and pointy their neck vertebrae is, which is, you know, not not super common with mammals. It looks almost like a, like, some something evolved from a stegosaur or something like it's just these sort of like fingers kind of on the neck yeah it's interesting you say that because there are some paleontologists who point to this animal as kind of an example of what these may have been Hmm. used for like comparing their skeleton to some of these dinosaur skeletons that have that those like weird and of course dinosaurs often had much more elaborate exoskeletons uh, pointy cervical exactly like these big big long cervical uh vertebrae that were just like incredible but yeah these these guys have it too and they um so when they're threatened they will tuck themselves in a cute little ball with their hands covering their heads which is just adorable and it just exposes those neck spikes which Again, they're not so long that you you can't like see like a, like spines like on a porcupine coming out of their neck. It's just that their neck kind of like protrudes a little bit and it's a little bumpy. And it's thought that it kind of functions like one of those anti-coyote vests that little dogs wear. Have you seen those? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Where it's like these like plastic spikes that cover your entire dog to try to protect it with from coyotes Uh and it's like the dorkiest looking (laughs) vest you can get your dog but it does keep them safe from coyotes i like the idea that like a dog is gonna wear it and get made fun of by its dog friends but then a coyote comes and like he bravely fends off the coyote with his like yeah crazy like safety vest well it's like just like punk like punk it's just punk fashion exactly yeah it is punk fashion (laughs) yeah these are very punk punk uh, primates and yeah so like it's gonna be because like if a predator goes for the neck it's gonna get that kind of those spines those bony protrusions in its mouth and yeah. that's not gonna be great it's gonna be harder for it to get at the neck yeah and but it's also the these neck spines might not only be used as an anti-predator defense it is thought that it's also used in mating and there's some evidence to suggest that they use these to stimulate sexual partners. And that's fun. It's always nice to have like a dildo on the back of your neck. <laughs> a vibe. I mean, I mean, it's, look, I think it's kind of neat, you know, yeah. like, like they've got, they've got. Love and war you know, in one, in one bone structure. Yeah. It's <laughs> business in the back, but that business is also party yeah, as well. Yeah. I like it. Very cute. And then there's one more picture I did of one of these little guys in a defensive posture. Very cute. It's tucking its little head 
down there. I, I love I love these guys. So I love that it's cute. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, these these guys and also like the the we talked about the slow loris yeah. too. They just have very interesting creative defensive techniques. Of course the uh, slow loris can get it kind of li- secretes a toxin from near its armpits and its arms and then it licks that up and then it uh, once it's in its mouth it can then bite something and it has a toxic bite because of the stuff that it's licked from its armpits yeah. so that that's that's pretty cool yeah killer bo cute cute little cuties with real real weird <laughs> weird stuff they're gonna pull on you if you try to threaten them Oh, now I'm looking at slow lorises, slow lori. Oh my god, I love them, <laughs> love them. Great animal, a plus. <laughs> Did you know that children have weird bones? Children's bones heal much more quickly than us adults, despite all that tree climbing and general tomfoolery. Because children's bones grow so rapidly, when they break, they heal much more quickly than our old adult bones. And the fact that they're still growing allows the bones to fix its shape. Kid bones are also super bendy. They're less brittle than adult bones, and they're more prone to bending than breaking. This isn't always a good thing. A bent bone can be more difficult to treat and set than a cleanly broken bone, because it's harder to detect on an x-ray and the nature of the injury is less clear. Bones that bend and break in children are called green stick fractures. This references the difference between new green branches and old dry branches. New branches bend a bit before cracking, whereas old dry branches are brittle and will snap and break. Really makes me feel good about being an adult. The green stick fractures typically occurs in kids under 10 years old. Also, did you know that babies have way more bones than adults? While most adults have 206 bones, babies have almost 300. This is because when you're born, you have more soft cartilage in the body, and these soft bones fuse together as you grow. When we return, we're going to discuss a couple animals that don't have any bones at all. Make no bones about these animals, they have some pretty wild adaptations. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbionica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbionica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O. T-I-K-A dot com. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, 
Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Right now, rumors abound that birds aren't real, that there's some kind of government conspiracy or robotic drone. As a totally unbiased party who is not funded by Big Bird, I can tell you that absolutely, declaratively, positively, this is categorically false. A foul accusation my lawyers are fighting against Cro Bono. My lawyers, who are well-versed in bird law, are also working on another case, copyright infringement. The defendant? A six-legged flying imposter. So, Emily, if you could... Could you take a look at the YouTube videos that I have linked for you? Why, sure. Um, Thank you. Looking right now. Hoping. The sound's not important. Just the visuals. Oh, well, it looks like a big old butterfly, but it's also a hummingbird. <laughs> it's a hummingfly. Yeah. It's a butterbird. Butterbird. I like that <laughs> name better. Unfortunately, they are called hummingbird moths, but butterbird is a great name that uh, I think, uh, yeah, it's too bad you weren't around when they were naming these guys. <laughs> so hummingbird moths are indeed moths. There are different species and genuses found all over the world. It's a moth? It's a moth. Yes. Oh, it's it so looks... creepy. I hate it. <laughs> oh, I thought it I totally just thought it was a bird that was that was acting like a Oh, that's so weird. Oh, I kind of hate it. <laughs> I kind of hate this one. Oh. Did you think it was like a hummingbird? Yeah, I thought it was, was a hummingbird that had some sort of proboscis it was using. Like, <laughs> oh, weird. I mean, you are you are right about the proboscis part. So, you know, um, but yeah, they are they are insects, and they look a lot like hummingbirds. Um, there's the hummingbird hawk moth species found in southern Europe, northern Africa, and Japan, and there's the Hemeris genus of moths, also known as hummingbird moths, found in North America and the UK. Both the hummingbird hawk moths and the Hemeris moths belong to the sphinx moth family. So some species of Hemeris moths have transparent panes on their wings, such as the snowberry clearwing moth. So that's one way you can kind of tell the difference between the North American and UK hummingbird moth and the hummingbird hawk moth is that if they have clear wings, they're probably in North America or the UK. Not that it sounds like you're going to go out of your way to try to find these no. guys because you seem very freaked out yeah. now the reason emily is having such a strong reaction is they look uncannily similar and they act exactly like hummingbirds in fact a lot of hummingbird sightings actually are erroneous uh because they are the hummingbird moths instead 
and and like the Audubon Society has a whole thing about like being oh, able to tell the difference I bet they between hate these guys. I bet they can't <laughs> wait to. Uh, I'm shit. sure they're suing them for <laughs> copyright infringement. Yeah. But yeah, like to telling the like do a takedown complaint on hummingbird mobs. <laughs> but yeah, they they are hard to tell apart, especially because they move so fast. Um, it is a and you might think that this is because like the moths are mimicking the hummingbird. But in fact, they're not. It is a case of convergent evolution. So convergent evolution is when you have two different animals. They can be related. They can be completely unrelated, like in this case. But they will evolve very similar traits, but completely separately. And for it can be like for the same reason. It can be for slightly different reasons. But like basically they have evolved very, very similar traits in sometimes very startlingly close ways like these these moths that look like hummingbirds. If you scroll down, you'll see another one that looks weirdly like, yeah. um, it's shockingly it's really like weird. a hummingbird. Yeah, the tail thing is also really upsetting. Yes. I'm just, ugh, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I guess it, it feels sort of annihilation-y or something. It just feels like, <laughs> like yeah. nature having this weird mind of its own. And Yeah, like someone took a moth and put it in a mold and grew it in the shape of a yeah. hummingbird. Yeah, I mean, so they are, like you mentioned, that tail, they like down to these very minor details, they look very similar and act very similarly to hummingbirds. So they can beat their wings rapidly. They produce a buzzing sound just like hummingbirds. They hover and sip nectar from elongated proboscis that looks like a beak. Uh, their butts look like hummingbird butts. They have a fan tail of bristly hairs that looks like a hummingbird's tail. And its body is covered in hairs that look like hummingbird feathers. And sometimes they even share the same coloration as hummingbirds. Like they have that bright green and red that a lot of hummingbirds have. And that bright coloration even serves a similar purpose to hummingbirds uh, in terms of it being for sexual selection. And they even look like they have pupils, which they actually don't. So like many insects, they have faceted eyes. And it's just, it looks like they have pupils that follow you everywhere, but this is an optical illusion. These faceted eyes actually absorb light coming in. Like if you have a shiny ball and like you move around, it looks like that highlight, that little shiny highlight's uh -huh. kind of following you uh -huh. around. It's just like that except sort of inverse. Instead of reflecting light, it is absorbing the light. So as you move around, it looks like there's a dark spot. So it looks like their eyes are following you, but they're not. You look, you look terrified. <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, moths were an early kind of creepy thing for me as a kid yeah. I don't know why like moths are pretty relatively harmless but they always they always freaked me out as a kid so I I, <laughs> I, I don't like learning about this other whole other life of, of moths <laughs> um, the moths masquerading as a harmless hummingbird yeah. Yeah, I actually, so when I was a kid, I've had some good experiences with them. <laughs> maybe, well, I guess it's all perspective because maybe for you, this would be a nightmare. But I had a sphinx moth, which is, like I said, that is the, it's the same family that these hummingbird moths are in. And it was just this big, I, I actually think I thought it was a hummingbird. Um, and it 
was like flying around and it landed on me and it is this beautiful beautiful moth with this beautiful kind of pink and black coloration and it was just very friendly and it didn't want to leave me and it like clung to my shirt and I tried to like I was pretty pleased with it and I was on a hike and at the end of the hike I tried to like delicately pull it off me and put it on a plant but every time I would pull it off it would like fly back on me and like cling on um so I ended up just like going home with it because I it it was just like a local hike so it wasn't a change in environment but it would not like I kept trying to release it and it kept just like attaching itself to me so I like put a little box, put some like plants and stuff in the box to like for its natural environment because I thought it was like best friends with me and I put it in the box and it died in like a few oh, days. No. <laughs> well, probably, probably what was going on was I was probably wearing like a bright shirt um, and these uh, moths like once they have mated, that's actually the end of their life uh, cycle. So it was probably at the end of its life mm-hmm. cycle. It probably saw me this bright, warm thing, and it was just like, "All right, uh, I'm gonna cling on to you until yeah. until it's over." Yeah. So I felt I felt so bad though, because I was like, "You're my new best friend," and then it passed away, mm-hmm. and I, I was just I was totally devastated. Aww. So you know, I, I've always had a soft spot for moths. So the reason they actually look and act so similarly to hummingbirds is that. Basically, the hummingbird model works just as well for them as it does for hummingbirds. So if you think about it, it makes sense. The hummingbird's style of hovering instead of landing to sip nectar, it both helps them avoid predation because they're not stopping. It helps them get as much nectar as possible. And it works for these moths as well. And in fact, in a way, they are superior to the hummingbird when you look at their wing beat capacity. So hummingbirds get in 50 wing beats per second, while the hummingbird hawk moths get in 85 wing beats per second. And they are, unlike a lot of moths, which are nocturnal, they are active in the day because, you know, flowers sometimes go to sleep at night and actually close up shops. So if you want to get as many much of that sweet sweet nectar in your little body as you can you gotta go around during the day so they are active at the same time as hummingbirds too so mm. you know and they they have they're in the same flowery regions as well so a, a lot of times you see a hummingbird if you live in the regions where they the hummingbird moth is that may be a big old moth Wow, I've I've been my, my eyes are opened now. I will never <laughs> trust an adorable hummingbird again. <laughs> um, but I mean, it, I guess it does make sense because a hummingbird is really imitating a bug more than it's imitating a bird. Like a hummingbird, in many ways, acts more like a bug, like a yeah. bee or something. It just doesn't look exactly. like a bee. It looks like a hummingbird. Yeah. So. There is a there is a hummingbird called I think the the bee hummingbird and it's teeny, yeah yeah the tiny, little little tiny one yeah little tiny it's not quite as small as a bee but it's pretty dang close yeah. it is teeny weeny yeah yeah they are sort of there is kind of a weird it's like I I guess sort of the the crossover species uh, between bird and insect obviously that's not how evolution works but you know. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I feel like if there was some kind of, like, uh, insect bird conference, like, you'd have the diplomats from the insect to bird congregation <laughs> be, like, the hummingbird moths and then the hummingbirds. And it's like, see, we're not so different after yeah. all. <laughs> <laughs> so what is your attitude towards ladybugs? 
Um, I like ladybugs. Uh, I, I generally try to, you know, move them outside if they're inside and make sure that they can be, you know, in their natural habitat. I, I try to be kind mm-hmm. to them. Yeah. Have you ever had, like, have you ever picked up a ladybug and it seems like it pees on you? I don't think so, but I don't know. Uh, I've... Yeah, I've had this happen to me a lot, especially as an inquisitive child who doesn't respect the personal space of insects. Um, I would pick up any insect I could find, and I would often just pick up a ladybug, and what would happen is it looks like it pees on you because it releases this sort of orangish-yellow fluid on your hand. It doesn't smell really good, um, and it was very frustrating as a kid because it's like, I, I loved ladybugs. I wanted to hold them and then it's like, oh, it just peed on me for some reason. Uh-huh. But he, here's the thing. It's not really pee. They pee defensive blood on you to ward you off. If you've ever harassed a ladybug, maybe it's happened to you that like kind of stinky yellowish liquid, but it is, first of all, it's not pee. It is defensive hemolymph which is ladybug blood. Is this why they're called ladybugs? Why that they, oh, because like period thing? I don't, I kind of don't think so. I was just like so suddenly mad. I was like, that's not how periods work. (laughs) But it does scare some people off, so, so, you know. I could definitely see some like early 1800s biologists finding a ladybug and it's like, Look at this ladybug, uh-huh. you know, having her period yeah, all over yeah. my hand. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, it, it also doesn't come out of the ladybug's uh, private right. parts. It comes out of its leg joints, which it secretes out to kind of gross you out so you won't eat it. And imagine I, it works. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was reading this thing. It even works on pest control. I was reading the American Pest blog, and it warns people who have their homes invaded by ladybugs, quote, please don't frighten the ladybugs. Like their, their how-to guide in terms of how to deal with a ladybug invasion, just cryptically saying like, please don't frighten the ladybugs. It's not going to be pretty. <laughs> And yeah, so while ladybugs are great for your garden because they eat up destructive aphids, you know, sometimes they invade your home by the thousands. Oh, I've never had that happen. Yikes. I've never had that happen either, but it can happen. And often like when cold weather happens and they're trying to find a nice warm place, it's pretty rare that you'll get a massive ladybug invasion. Usually it's just like a handful of them getting inside and chilling out. In which case, I mean, come on, you can you can share the space with a couple ladybugs. But I do see that it's a problem when thousands of them get inside. Now, do you dare click on the li- video that I have in this document, Emily? Mm, yeah, okay, fine. Uh, this is like the <laughs> kind of is. thing that turns my stomach. I even like ladybugs, but... Um, well, if you want, I can just describe this video to uh, you. It's yeah, this is not for me. <laughs> I can tell already. Also, I get bummed yeah. out when they're like yellow and brown. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. You like the bright red ladybugs. Well, yeah, I really... just get worried for them. It feels like it feel like for whatever reason, I don't think this is true, but I always assume it's like they're like leaves that haven't been like doing their. I see. They haven't been watering or whatever when they're sort of uh, dimmer color. No, mm. no, that's not necessarily okay. true. But yeah, I, I get it. Like seeing sort of the more dusky colored ladybugs yeah. feels like wrong. Like there's there's they're like zombie yeah. ladybugs or something. But no. 
Um, but this uh, is an ABC News video that explores someone's house that has been invaded by thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of ladybugs. It's just a sea of this orangey red moving mass of ladybugs and they're like trying to sweep it up and they've got like buckets of ladybugs as if they're bailing out a ship that's drowning in ladybugs. It's a, uh, you know, a little spooky, yeah. I guess. And a lot of massive amounts of any anything is not gonna, exactly. I don't know. It's like, it's like the holes phobia but bugs <laughs> I just uh, yeah 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 uh, it's pretty bad I don't know why I thought it would be a great idea to bring this up as people stay in your homes I guess a positive spin could be like maybe you're bored at home but at least your home isn't filled with ladybugs unless it is filled with ladybugs in which case I uh, I'm sorry yeah. <laughs> oy, oy, oy. well I'm glad that there's a new problem that I didn't know about that somebody can have and, and, and now I know about it I mean but doesn't it make you feel grateful that your house isn't flooded with ladybugs yeah, yeah. Um, no? I've had the ants thing the ants thing is a common yeah. California problem uh, exactly yeah. but I don't know something about the ladybugs they're bulbous they look like warts all over your home <laughs> yeah I don't know Nice. And they'll pee blood at you yeah. if you make them mad. Yeah. <laughs> well, Emily, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having uh, me. I really appreciate it. Is there anything you want to plug for our listeners? Well, sure. You can listen to my podcast that I do with Molly Lambert and Tess Lynch called Night Call right here on the iHeart Network. And I'm also on Twitter at Emily Yoshida. I don't really know what's going on there, but that's kind of where you can find me most times. Um, and that's it. And uh, I'm in my house also. <laughs> it's another place that I will be I uh, pretty reliably over the next who knows how yeah. long. So, yeah. All sorts of yeah, places. Yeah, it, it, it it feels like I have like a portal to another world right now because like you're in your house yeah. and I'm in your house but like it's like we're connected through the portal of podcasting all the reality out there everybody's living <laughs> rooms and their microphone setups so. exactly exactly you can find us at Creature Feature Pod on Instagram, Creature Feet Pod on Twitter. That's F-E-A-T, not F-E-E-T. That's something very different. You can find me also on Twitter. I'm at Katie Golden if you're interested in my Katie thoughts. And of course, I'm at Pro Bird Rights where I try to debunk this insane claim that birds aren't real and are some government conspiracy. Come on, people. Or should I say say sheeple people sheep people <laughs> anyways we also have shirts in our store i will provide a link for that in the show notes and and yeah i will new episodes are going to keep coming out every wednesday because i'm all set to keep recording at home and thank you guys so much for listening to us and thanks to the space cossacks for their super awesome song exolumina Creature Feature is a podcast by iHeartRadio. You, if you want to listen to more awesome podcasts like the one you just heard, you can go to iHeartRadio.com, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you listen to your ding-ding podcast. See you next Wednesday.
This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.